0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. We have uh, been journeying through the topic of faith. Faith is probably my ultimate, my favorite subject. And topic to teach on and minister on um, because of its importance and because of its necessity in the life of a believer, but also because God simply says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to live this life. And even though we have many times applied faith to to the mere level of Getting us into the kingdom, I want you to know today that it's by faith that you live the kingdom. It's it's by faith that we walk out everything that we've walked into. And I don't want to just simply walk into God's provisions, I want to walk out God's provisions. And you can apply faith to far more than just believing that when you die, you'll go to heaven. To far more than my old life is gone and my new life has come. You can apply faith to so much more and ought to apply faith to much, much more. And We have been using uh, the example of the Israelites coming through the wilderness and coming into the promised land, and it was, uh, in essence, a lack of faith that kept them from receiving all that God had promised. And no different is you and I in the life that we live that there are things uh, that God has promised us, um, a life that God has promised us, uh, blessings that God has promised us that are gonna demand a, a pull on or a strengthening, if you will, of our faith. Faith is meant to be strengthened. Faith is meant to grow. Faith is meant to be developed faith is meant to mature. That means if I can have mature faith, I can have immature faith. If I can have strong faith, I can have weak faith. If I can have a lot of faith, I can have no faith. And so we should be walking this life, going from faith to faith. Amen. Glory to glory and seeing the things that God has for you and I, not just the cars and the boats and the homes and the, the, the promotions. I'm talking about walking out the very reason why you exist. I'm talking about influence. I'm talking about purpose. I'm talking about destiny. I'm talking about provision necessary for you to accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. This is only possible by faith. Um, I believe that we have entered into um, a, a, a dangerous Um, way of living and a way of seeking the things of God that don't demand faith anymore. Um, Whether we lower God down to the level that we can believe him on, or that we come up with man-made alternatives to um, replace a demand on faith that help us get things that look like we got it by faith, but really there was no faith required. And as we're learning, faith is a requirement. The just shall what? Live by faith. We live by faith. In essence, you could put it this way: it's how we make our living. It's how you exist. You exist because you exercise faith. You exist and you move from one thing to the next, and you 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 come out of one battle into a new season of blessing where there's also battles and also challenges. And, and you approach every single one of those using the same faith it took you to get through the last test. Will it demand a little more? Sure. Will it draw a little more on you? Absolutely. But it's only for the growing and the increasing of your faith. You know, it's the testing of your faith that produces patience. Everybody wants the results of great faith, but they don't want the tests that produce great faith. I'll say that again. Everyone wants the results of great faith, but we don't want the tests that produce the great faith. It's easy to look at someone that operates with a great level of faith, that operates and it just looks like, man, they can believe for it and they get it. They're looking for those big challenges. They're looking for those big battles. They're looking for those big things to conquer and accomplish for the kingdom of God. And it's easy to look at them and just think that they just arrived there. It's easy to look at them and just think that, man, I wish I was given the level of faith they were given. Well, if you could see behind the scenes, if you could pull the curtain back a little bit, you'd find out that there were some tests. Before they believed God for a thousand, they had to believe for a hundred. Before they believed for a hundred, they had to believe for 10. Before they believed for 10,000, they had to get a thousand. You would find That behind the curtain, there has been a testing and a proving because a faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. Amen. How do we get the faith of Abraham? Well, you get told 25 years in advance uh, before there's ever evidence in your life that this is possible. You're going to be a father of many nations. How do you get the faith of David to conquer a giant? Well, you have to believe God that he can deliver you from the lion and the bear in the the pasture with nobody looking. How do you get this kind of faith? How do you believe God at that level? You start where you're at. We start where we're at. You are not given that level of faith. You develop that level of faith. It's easy to look at the steward that has five and say, man, I wish I had five. Well, they had one at one point. And they turned one into two. And they turned two into four. And and they just began to work and mature and develop and use what they had. You will get the same. That's what I love about God is there, there is no... Uh, there, there's no quantifying God. There's no saying, okay, you can handle 10 and you can handle two. It doesn't work with God. God works on one principle alone, faithfulness. He works on one absolute alone. What will you do with what you have? At the end of the day, any faith giant you can pick out or say, look at them or wish I could be like that or I should believe like they do, you they simply put into operation the 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 applications and the practicalities of God God's word and the great thing about it is if you will do it you can be right where they're at too that's the way God, he's no respecter of persons some people uh yeah are just wired in a sense to just go after big things that might be a part of their personality that they just like risk they like challenges but at the end of the day any of us can compromise Uh, our level of development by simply stepping, stepping back and drawing back from what God has called us to do. Any of us at any point could run the risk of saying that's too far, that's too much, I can't, I can't do it. I wish that sometimes uh, we could look behind the scenes and we could look behind the veil of people's lives. Uh, Even in my life, the people that I uh, admire the, the, the people that I follow the people that i'm I'm closely knit to um you know thankfully you know I've gotten to see them behind the veil you know pastor Earl and, and, and pastor Marcy and you know they just believe God to purchase a mall and they just did they 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 made the the, the purchase complete finalized down there in St Augustine Florida but I've ridden around in the truck in the passenger seat with the questions and and with the, you know, the raw, real deal. I've gotten to see behind the scenes. I've gotten to see. Behind that curtain. And I know they're where they're at today. Not just because God gave him some great amount of faith to say, all right, now go and believe for this, but he had to mature that. He had to develop that. He had to stand on some things. He had to believe some things. He had to stick with some things regardless of what it looked like. And I, and when you get to see behind the veil a little bit, it it, it, may, it lets you know you can do this too. It lets you know I can walk this thing out too. And at the end of the day, The the, the one thing God's looking for us, from us, is obedience. Will you just simply walk out what I've called you to do? And so I say all that to say that we've been taking the last several weeks to journey through what a faith that obeys looks like. A faith that obeys. A working faith. Not just the believing faith. We all know, you know, a simple definition of faith may be, you know, just believing. A belief system. It's what you believe in. But does what you believe in hold you accountable to your actions? Do you believe in it so strongly that you'll live it and apply it regardless of what comes against you? Does what you believe in create such a strong conviction in your life that I have to act on this? I have no other option. That was the very first message that we that we ministered uh, two weeks ago. Not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. If we would stop treating God's blessings and God's promised land and God's the, the next season in our life as, as something that God is uh, holding out for you as an option to obtain, This is somewhere I've provided for you to go if you like it, if it's if it's of your interest, if it meets your preference. No, we need to start treating the seasons of our life, the, the 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 directions that God is taking us, the 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 things that we have to battle through, journey through, fight through. As a requirement. Not an option. Not an option. It's not an option that you receive your healing or not. It's not an option that you move from this level to this level. It's not an option. God's not expecting. God didn't do all that he did so you could treat the life in the kingdom as optional and check off which ones you would like to take on and which ones you wouldn't. Which ones um, are are, uh, preferable to you and which ones aren't. We've got to remove the power of preference from our lives when it comes to kingdom living. We've got to remove the this thought and this idea that, um, you know, uh, some of these verses in here uh, are requirement for me to live by and others, you know, if I can get there, if I can measure up, if I can become. There's no if with God. God doesn't have an if in his system. God doesn't have an if in his Uh, value for your life in value for your cause in value for what you are called to produce. There's no if with God. So let me show you this in Romans chapter 8. It's not a suggestion. There's a requirement. Romans chapter 8, watch this. In verse 5, let's start with verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh and on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life in peace. Now, watch this in verse 7. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law, Indeed, it is unable to do so. He says that our mind, a mind set on the flesh, is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law. In fact, it is unable to do so. One of the first things that we have to understand when it comes to a life of faith Is that you and I, when we come into this world, we don't come in with a mindset on the spirit. We come in with a mindset on the flesh. We come into this world prior to the kingdom, prior to coming into the kingdom of God. With a natural inclination, watch this, to doubt anything that God says to disbelieve anything that God says. This is why um, so many people have to be convinced that God's word is true. You've heard me joke about it before that, you know, and we just recently experienced it within the last couple of weeks when a storm is coming through. How easily when a, a weather report or a news report comes out of where the storm's tracking, the damage it's going to un- unfold on that territory, the, the path it's going to cross, the cities that are going to be impacted, the level of the hurricane when it arrives at this level. You you realize all of that stuff, they have no factual basis to, to pin all that on. There was at one point, in fact, we canceled two of the most beautiful days of the year for school. Hello? thinking that storm was supposed to be driving right on through the panhandle, through Tallahassee, and right up into Valdosta, Georgia, right? And, and, and you know, doing what Valdosta does best, preemptively, canceling and shutting everything down. Uh, and so they just had the most beautiful days of the year at home hanging out. Like, man, if that's what it takes to cancel stuff around here, the sun shining, not a cloud in the sky, a beautiful breeze blowing through. Hey, I'm with it. Take off a day just to enjoy a beautiful fall day. Amen? We are making decisions and we are, um, you know, uh, setting everything in motion, boarding things up, buying water, doing all the things that we do in preparation for what someone says might happen. And we easily jump on that. You ever notice people jump way more easily on the negative than they do the positive? I wonder what would happen if, you know, the weather report came out and says, it looks like it's going to be beautiful in Valdosta. It's going to be amazing. No need to do this. And there would probably st- still be some of us uh, that are disposed, predisposed to think negatively, uh, to think, well, I don't know about that. Probably think that that weatherman's jinxing us, right? Great. He said the storm's not, it's like we would we would rather believe the negative in hopes that it might not happen than, than believe in the positive and find out that the negative still happen. You ever notice that just in, internally people? Well, it's because at the end of the day, our minds are wired and our, our, our lives are wired in such a way that the negative comes easier to us than the positive. The things of the flesh are much easier to receive than the things of the spirit. Because a weatherman can project a a possible weather pattern of a storm and how it may impact you and people will respond immediately to the negative report. But if I get in here and I start preaching the word that is factual in the sense that this is a written word and it will and can and shall come to pass if you believe in it, now all of a sudden I have to work overtime to convince you that that word is true. A doctor can tell you there's cancer in your body, and I can tell you, no, that cancer has died and and has to go in the name of Jesus, that his stripes were taken so that you would be healed of that, and you're going to more easily believe a doctor's report and his PhDs and his background, uh, even though they still call it a practice. (laughs) Right? Amen. Why? Because the mind set on the things of the flesh, the the natural mind is always set on the things of the flesh, but the mind of the spirit produces life and peace. Our mind naturally is hostile to God. Now, the great thing about it, Romans chapter 12 tells us that when I come into the kingdom of God, guess what's the first thing I've got to do? Let's look at it, Romans chapter 12. Start with verse two. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. That that mind that is hostile to God. That mind that is opposed to everything that God's about. That mind that questions and challenges and, and, are you sure, pastor? The mind that has to be convinced, the mind that needs evidence, the mind that needs proof, two, three, four things to prove to me that that's really in Scripture. The mind that, that needs all this convincing. Guess what the first thing is Paul says you need to do? Renew it. Renew your mind. Jesus' first message, Jesus' first words when he ministered, he came and he brought the kingdom and he said what? Repent. Everyone say repent. Repent means this. Repent repent means to change your thinking. Change your thinking. Ultimately, what repentance is, if you remember, uh, anything that has that R-E in front of it, it means to go back to a former state. Renew. Well, what's that mean? I'm, I'm restoring my restore. I, I'm getting my mind back to a way that it was supposed to be, back to a way that it was prior to a condition that showed up that altered the state of affairs, that altered. Well, what was that? That was Sin. That was death entering the world. That was this brokenness that showed up as a result of Adam and Eve's sin and Adam and Eve's brokenness. And now we're all born into that. So the first thing I gotta do is I gotta repent, renew, restore my original thinking. I've gotta get it back into an alignment of the way it used to be. Of a way that it was. Ultimately, all that, the renewing of the mind is, the repentance is, it's simply this. It's aligning my thoughts once again with the kingdom of God. It's aligning my thoughts once again with the kingdom of God. It's getting my thought life back in alignment with what does God say? What does the king say? What does his word say? That should be, honestly, the the the, the greatest... Um, approach in life. The greatest pursuit, there it is, the greatest pursuit in life is getting my thinking back to the way God originally intended for us to think. It is that mindset, a renewed mind, that paves the path for a life of faith. A renewed mind paves the path for a life of faith. You cannot address your faith life until you address your thought life. Many people want greater faith, but they don't want to challenge the thinking that has them living in a weaker state of faith than they know they ought to be. It's the renewing of the mind that creates the context, if you will, for great faith. It's the renewing of the mind that shapes, strengthens, encourages, or deteriorates our faith life. You could put it this way, that your faith will grow only in the, in the proportion to which you address your thought life. Your faith will only grow to the degree that you allow your thought life to align back with kingdom realities and kingdom thinking. Repentance, not just coming to the altar when you give your life to Christ in boo and in crying of all the things you've done wrong, but true repentance is, I, I don't think this way, I think this way. I used to think like that, but now I think like this. And this is the thing. If we don't spend the time renewing the mind, guess what? It'll remain hostile to God, even with a spirit that's in line with him. That's the dangerous thing is we, we have this thinking, we have this idea that, well, I gave my life to Christ. Why, are, why, why am I not seeing blessings? I gave my life to Christ, but why am I not seeing provision? I gave my life to Christ. I'll, I'll show it to you just very factually and, and, and very practically. The Israelites were removed from Egypt. They were no longer in bondage. They were no longer in, there was no taskmaster beating their backs, telling them when they could eat, telling them when they could drink, telling them what they could have, telling them where they could live. They were no longer under the thumb of Pharaoh and his Egyptian uh, uh, army and his Egyptian uh, lords. They were no longer, in the wilderness, they were completely free, but yet still lived in bondage. We've said it before, God can get you out of Egypt, but the question is, can he get Egypt out of you? So what happens is, is we have a hostile mind and a delivered spirit. I have a free spirit, free in the sense that it's now submitted to God and his kingdom. I'm no longer in subjection to the world. I'm no longer in subjection to the enemy. I no longer have to live according to the way that I used to live, but I have a mind that's still hostile to God. I have a mind that still wants to do the opposite of what God wants to do. And he lets me know it never will be. It never will be. That's That's why it must be renewed. That's why we must repent. That's why, and and repentance is not a compromise between the two. Repentance is a slaying, a killing, a crucifying of one so that I can walk in the full provision of the other. Repentance is not one foot in and one foot out. Repentance is a wholehearted, I'm turning from this path and I'm going down this path. There's nothing back here. It's not a picking, well, I like that and I'll keep this, and I'll keep, but everything else I'll let go and I'll bring it along with me. No, it's a full on betrayal, turning away from a 180 toward the things of God. And that's how we're supposed to address the mind, he says. And with that mind, now God can make impact. To the Israelites in the wilderness, they refuse to see things the way God sees them. But a renewed mind sees things the way God sees them. A renewed mind hears from God clearly. How many of you would like to hear from God clearly? How many? I mean, without a doubt, a few of you. Okay, we'll get the rest of you by the end of the service. That's all right. I don't I want to hear God clearly. I'm tired of, is that God, or is that just bad indigestion? Was that really God? Is Is that just me wanting that, or is that really God speaking? I want to hear God. I said, I want to hear God and hear Him clearly, knowing. And He doesn't need to speak up. I just need to get rid of distractions. A renewed mind gets rid of distractions. A renewed mind is good at setting itself apart, and when you have a renewed mind, you've now created. Uh, think about it. Uh, I heard someone use it this example, like the banks of a river that create the context to which the river can flow, and having those banks in place, and those strong outer boundaries in place, they don't restrain my thinking. They ease up the flow of my thinking so it can get to where it needs to go. And that's what a renewed mind does. When you want strong faith with an unrenewed mind, you leave your faith vulnerable. You leave your faith vulnerable. We need a renewed mind and a renewed thinking that establishes a a strict pathway that, that, that now our faith can be built in and flow with. We need a renewed mind. We need a renewed mind. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, a lot of times when we start thinking about the mind, we start thinking about our thoughts. We think that we need to learn something. Some of us might start thinking intellectual Some of us might start thinking I need to go to Bible school or I need to read more scripture in a sense, which, yes, reading scripture is going to help you because what faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why? Because what am I renewing my my mind to? I'm renewing my mind to the word of God. I'm renewing my mind to. The word, what does God say about a situation? You ought to, for any situation, any condition, any challenge you face, the first thought should be, what does the word say about this? I could, I could respond this way uh, to my spouse, but what does the word of God say about this? I could take on this venture, but what does the word of God say? About this, What does the word say? That's what we've got to discover. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. For by this, our ancestors were approved. Watch this. Verse three, by faith, we understand. You ought to underline that, highlight that, circle it, whatever you got to do. By faith, we understand. By faith, we understand. By faith, we understand. You know what a lot of us do is we flip that around. When I understand, I'll have faith. When it makes sense, I'll believe. Which one comes first? First, faith comes first. I said faith comes first. When you believe, then you'll understand. But many of us, too many of us, are waiting to understand before we apply the faith, before we live by faith, before we exercise faith, before we develop faith. I'm not not budging an inch until it makes sense, until you can show me. Well, you know what? A mind that needs to be convinced, a mind that needs evidence, a mind that needs proof is unrenewed. You don't renew your mind by gaining intellect. You don't renew your mind by hearing of somebody else that went through what you went through. Man, I love testimonies. I'm, we are delivered by the blood of the lamb and we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen. But you know who the testimony really is helping? The person that came through it to remind themselves of God's faithfulness. But you know what you need faith in? You don't need faith in, well, so-and-so went through what I went through, so now I know that God. No, you need to have your faith built and applied on the word of God. An unrenewed mind says, well, when you can show it to me. An unrenewed mind says, well, when I hear of it happening to so-and-so. An unrenewed mind says, I need convincing, I need proof. But how many things in life do we do without needing convincing? Without needing proof? May people apply this level of faith to things all the time. We, we have all kinds of weird little things that we put our faith in and put our faith on. But then it comes to the word of God and all of a sudden we're doubting. We're, why? Why? It's not just a predisposition to think negatively. It's not just, well, some people are optimistic and some people are pessimistic. No, it's a natural mind of the flesh that is naturally geared and wired to disbelieve, discredit and discount the word of God in anything that he says. It is hostile to God and it can never be brought under subjection. So it must be crucified. It must die. Remember what we said. Faith is evidenced by obedience. Doubt is evidenced by rebellion. If we're not following God and His Word, if we're not obeying and responding to what He says, if we are not uh, putting into practice or taking the steps that He's called us to take, it's because doubt exists somewhere in our heart. It's because a disbelieving has crept in or We have tolerated it because we have have a mind that is unrenewed. We have a thought life that has not been brought back into alignment with the kingdom. You can believe after you see, like Thomas, But just know that it will cost you vulnerability in your faith from that point on. If it takes seeing to believe, Jesus still showed him the hands and his feet and and his hands and the piercing in his side. But you know what he said? But blessed are those who believe and have not seen. He'll still show you his goodness, but just know it's going to cost you the strength of your faith. If if you will believe God's word when they bring the grapes from the promised land, you'll doubt God's word when you find out there's giants there too. the grapes were never meant to be the substance upon which they applied their faith the the grapes were never meant to be an item they brought back to to say okay now we believe because if you'll believe because of the grapes you'll doubt because of the giants no they were supposed to believe the word the word that god spoke not the word that the because, see, here's the thing, is, is the, the enemy will throw you every now and then a positive report just to keep you thinking you're on the right track. But then he'll bring you the negative report along with it, too. Remember, they came back and they said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. They even brought back physical evidence showing them these large grapes that had to be carried on a pole between two men. Right? But since their faith was substantiated on physical evidence and not the word of God itself, an unrenewed mind will even look at the positive and still believe in the negative. They, they had a chance, they had a choice. They, they could have said, Well, look, I mean, we 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 we've got the report that it's got it's it's a land flowing with milk and honey. We've got the report. I mean, look at these, look at the size of these grapes. This must be our land. This must be it. We've got to get here. We've got to go after this land. They they could have easily have moved on the positive that they brought. But if you'll move on the positive, you'll be moved by the negative. This is why you got to, you have to check where your faith, what your faith is based in, not just the fact that I have faith. I've watched people get, you know, get reports from doctors, cancer or or things that are serious, things that maybe not be so serious. I've watched them and, and their faith will go up when they get a positive report from a doctor. But guess what? They go back the next week and they get a negative report. And guess where their faith goes? I don't care what the doctor says. You can tell me it's all gone. I already knew that. See, if you're going to the doctor to get a report rather than going to the doctor with a report, you tell me that you see the difference. You see the difference. When we were standing with Ollie and his uh, parents, I'm checking in with Matthew, but I'm not checking in to see if God's word is true. Let me. Let's get a positive report today, so that so that we know that God's working, <laughs> even when I don't see it, He's working. Even when it don't feel like it, He's working. Even when it doesn't sound like it, He. We sing about it. When we just went over to their house this past week, took them a meal, and and got to see Ollie and hugged their necks, and just man, so glad to see him home. Just just I mean. You thrive when you're at home. You can't, your healing and recovery, just naturally speaking, is so uh, restricted when you're in a hospital and in that environment and just around sickness and disease and death. But man, you get home and you just see them so lively and it's all, you look at them, it's like, were you literally just in the hospital for a month? You look amazing. And we looked them in the eyes and we just told them, we are so proud of you. Because this is why we do what we do. I don't do this up here for a paycheck. I don't do this up here to get oohs and ahs and and people taking notes and, and, and retweeting things on the internet. I don't do this for that. I do this because people's lives are on the line. I do this because I know a word that is true and cannot be shaken. And we just always remind them, you're prepared for this. You're equipped for this you're ready for this. You, the, the testing comes to prove of what is there. A, 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 a teacher does not test a student on something that they have not learned or have not been taught. And the testing is not designed to keep them at the, at the current grade. It's designed to move them to the next grade. But you can't go to sixth until you pass the test to prove you learned what you needed to learn at fifth. We do this in the natural, and then we wonder, oh, God, is God trying to test me? Is God trying to teach me something? Oh, God, why would you do this to me? Why, oh, God, oh, why, why would you allow this? I'm trying to get you from one level of faith to the next level of faith. This is where we prove that we've obtained to the level that will, uh, gradu- that will graduate us and elevate us to the next. That was their opportunity going into that promised land. Will you believe me at my word? Oh, God, why are there giants in the land? Oh, God, why didn't you clear out the territory? And we moan and we whine and we complain. Just like the Israelites did. Rather than recognizing his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is the most sure thing that I have. I mean, do you really want to relegate your faith to the words of man? Do you really want to ride that roller coaster of up one day, down the next? Do you really want to ride the the current and the wave and the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs of life? No, we want a faith that cannot be shaken. We want a faith that's immovable. We want a faith that, in the face of winds and waves, we 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 don't want a, a, a faith that only is applied and only believes as long as everything goes our way. You don't want that faith, and God doesn't want that faith for you either. I want to show this to you real quick in Matthew chapter 8. The answer to a strong faith is a renewed mind. That is the answer. You want to overcome? You want to see victory? Begin with renewing the mind. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and what you hear can either allow your mind to stay in that flesh natural state or it can challenge and grow and develop your faith so so that it can arrive to the, the spirit of faith that we're talking about. In Matthew chapter eight and verse five, and when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him begging him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, terribly tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, didn't Jesus do that many times? Didn't Jesus, you know, lay his hands on the sick and they recovered, right? Jesus healed all that were brought to him. Jesus healed every kind of sickness and disease. When Jesus came into the equation, when he rubbed mud on blind Bartimaeus' eyes, or when he uh, you know, laid his hands on someone, or when the woman with the, with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment, the contact was made, right? The contact allowed for the... Uh, The faith in the individual to be developed, to build on, to to have their something, to have something to lay their faith on. But watch what this centurion says. He says, Lord, I am not worthy, verse 8, for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, this is an interesting scenario. Because up to this point, we don't have a, 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 what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? We don't have an example of this. What's the word I'm looking for when something comes first? Precedence. We don't have precedence for this. What's he basing his faith on? Imagine having such strong faith that you one up Jesus. How many of y'all have ever had that conversation with Jesus? Usually, God responds and He says, I'll do this for you. And we say, Okay, will you come in down here? We start this negotiating, we start this putting out of the fleece. Imagine Jesus coming in here and you respond with, Actually, All you got to do is say it. You don't need to touch them. You don't need to be there. You don't need to come to my. We're talking about a marvelous kind of faith. (laughs) He says, if you only speak the word, my servant will be healed. No precedent, no example. This is a man that doesn't have a Bible. Come on. I mean, you know, it, it, it gets sad real quick when we read a book of people that did things without the book. And we have the book. I said, we have the book. He's putting in he's putting faith in Jesus in a word that he's that nobody's written a book he can't go to say cuz it says in Matthew chapter 8 verse 5 that if you just command the word that I know my servant he can't refer back to verses scripture like you and I can yet believes what that when you speak the word my servant will be healed even though you offer to me I'll come to your house and lay my hands on him and my and your and my servant will be healed he still says no 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 we can go we can do better than that just speak the word only. That, I mean, that's, that's convicting. That hits home real quick. I go a step further. This man wasn't even a follower of Jesus. This isn't one of his disciples. This isn't one of the few that, 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 that believed in God and believed that a Messiah was coming. This is a Roman soldier. in about 19 chapters from here, those same Roman soldiers are going to be nailing him to a cross. There was nothing in them that said, this is the Messiah, this is the Son of God, this is the one we believe that has been spoken of and prophesied of and that's going to be sent by God the Father to deliver us. He is on the opposite side of this thing, guys. This is a guy that is the furthest removed And says something as bold and audacious as, speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And we act like this is a level of faith you and I can't get to. We act like this is so far and above anything that we could be expected to apply. The the blessing doesn't even apply to this man. He's a Gentile. The blessing doesn't even apply. But yet he believes without understanding. Yet he believes without an example. He didn't go to a church where some lady got up and gave a testimony of how Jesus spoke over her son and healed her son when he wasn't even there. Come on, I'm I'm trying to make this as practical so we can see the connection and see the understanding that this faith. Is possible. You can live with this level of faith. You can do this. You absolutely can do this. But now we keep reading. We'll find out the answer. We'll find out real quick why this man was able to believe Jesus at his word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 9. For I also, everyone say also, I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. That was the reason why he could believe Jesus at a word could heal his son. This guy, had a renewed mind. Not a renewed mind where he understood Scripture. Not a renewed mind where it all made sense intellectually. Not a renewed mind where he was able to come up to a cognitive ability. A renewed mind to how the kingdom works. A renewed mind to understanding how authority works a renewed mind to understanding that this man is not a a religious figure. This is a kingdom figure. This is a man under authority and in authority. Because remember, you don't have authority if you're not under authority. And the authority you operate in is directly tied to the authority that you're submitted to. If I'm not submitted to authority, I can't operate in authority. And this man, being a Roman soldier, understood a kingdom principle. When you speak, things happen. If I command my servant to go do this, he's going to go do it. If I command my servant to go here or go there or be be this or be that, they're going to respond to my word. And you operate in that same authority. His mind was aligned with how the kingdom operates. Jesus goes on to say in the very next verse, verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Skip on down to verse 13. He says, Jesus said to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. Notice Jesus says, as you have believed, not as I have said. It's not the word that changes your life. It's the word that you believe and apply that changes your life. The word can change anything. The word can transform life. It absolutely can. The one that's yielded to it. The one that's renewed to it. The one that's aligned to it. This man presented a renewed mind. This man presented a mind that was aligned with the kingdom and how the kingdom works and how the kingdom operates. And that's why he saw the answer from a faith that said, just speak the word only. Amen. He showed a renewed mind. We have to repent go to Joshua chapter 1 wrap it up here y'all doing okay i'm telling you this this is not difficult the enemy wants you to think this is difficult the enemy wants you to think that that level of faith is only attain to only attainable by some that have done this or done that lived this way or lived that way that's religious thinking that's religious activity The kingdom makes all this available to everyone that's willing to apply it and live it. The the religious are the ones that say, you got to do this, do that. It's just activity. Faith doesn't come by striving. It comes by surrendering. Faith doesn't come by a striving to, if I get all this right and do all that, people are trying to build their faith And they're building their faith, but in the wrong things. They're trying to build their faith, but they're building their faith on the wrong foundation. And guess what? When the foundation shakes, so does their faith. When the foundation moves, so does their faith. Because my faith wasn't built on hoping that a doctor gives me a clear report this week. My faith wasn't built on the way that my spouse treats me when I repent and I ask and ask for forgiveness and say that I'm sorry. My faith wasn't built on the external. My faith was built on an internal foundation grounded in God's Word. And His Word can't be moved. His Word can't be shaken. His Word will remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. So guess what? So should my faith. Stay in the word of God regardless of what happens. So Joshua chapter 1, we've talked about the Israelites, uh, how they came through. They got to the promised land, got a positive report, a negative report, believed the negative report, over the positive report. They eventually died off in the wilderness. Joshua chapter 1 says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Notice that God isn't changing his word. Notice that God isn't changing his directives, God isn't changing his commands. God isn't giving them a new word. This is not a time to be coming and say, well, I need a new word so I can have my faith encouraged, my faith built. I need a new. No, he's saying you're going to believe in the same thing I've been telling you all along. I told your, your dad this. I told your grandfather this. I told your ancestors of old this. I told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob this. And it's the same. You don't need a new word to all of a sudden stir up and strengthen your faith. You don't need somebody to prophesy over you. You don't need confirmation from man. You just simply need to believe what God has already shown you and told you. Stand on the word you already have. He says, I'm just going to remind you of what I told Moses. Verse four, your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. Above all, Be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth, but you are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Look at this in verse 9. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Did you know being strong and courageous is a command? Taking us back to the beginning. There's no option. I'm commanding you. I'm ordering you be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, do not become fearful, but have great courage, have a great assurance, have a great confidence that what I said will come to pass. He says, don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. To sum all this up, we recognize this. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. And as we hear the word of God, it's renewing our mind to create a new perspective and a new context for us to see the things that God has already spoken over our lives. A renewed mind does not need to be convinced God's word is true. A renewed mind does not need proof and evidence that God's word will come to pass. A renewed mind is not built on, well, if you can show me evidence, show me proof, as long as the doctor says, as long as this takes place, that's not how a renewed mind works. A renewed mind says, I'll believe regardless of what I see. I'll believe regardless of what they say. I'll believe regardless of how this all transpires. I'll believe regardless of what the next thing is that comes. Some of us, our faith is only as strong as the next opposition that comes against it. But if you want a faith that endures through the tests, a faith that obeys even when it seems like everything is against you, you have to build your faith and your confidence and your belief in God's word and God's word alone. It shapes, it molds, it creates the, the, the confines, if you will, the context for which a mind that can believe God at its word is built. If we continue to neglect our thought life, in, 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 in essence, you are leaving your faith open and vulnerable to every attack that comes. Worship team, if you come, the thought life must be addressed. You ever notice that people, when we have what if statements, well, what if you ever notice those are always negative? We never say, well, what if they get healed? Well, what if it works? Well, what if he comes through? It's always, well, what if his word doesn't work? What if they die? What if I apologize and he still responds in, in hatred? What if, what if I let that person back into my life and get rid of that root of bitterness, but, but they're still offended and angry with me? It's always negative. But a renewed mind knows how to go to the positive. A renewed mind knows how to believe God at his word and doesn't rely on external circumstances and external conditions to satisfy a belief system. Here's the thing. He's telling them you cannot turn from the right or to the left. He's telling them you need to observe this word day and night. He's telling them, you need to meditate on this word day and night. He's telling them, you need to observe to do, carefully do all that I've commanded you in it. Why? Because a renewing of the mind is at stake. And if your mind is not renewed to what my word says, if your mind is not aligned with how my kingdom operates, you won't accomplish the vision and the plan that I have for you. You won't walk into the promised land and you'll be compromised just like your ancestors were for their unrenewed minds. Oh yeah, we're talking about a group of people that saw water come out of a rock. That's a miracle, by the way. That doesn't just happen. We're talking about a group of people that walked across a red sea with waters parted on each side, walked across on dry ground even. They weren't even sticking their their shoes in the mud as they're trying to get across. We're talking about a people that woke up every morning with breakfast on the ground. We're talking about a people that birds were literally delivering dinner. DoorDash has got nothing on God's delivery systems. This is way better than Grubhub or Uber Eats or whatever else there is out there. The original Instacart. Come on. And in spite of all that, disbelieved. Because if it takes water out of a rock, crossing it across the Red Sea, birds delivering dinner, breakfast on the ground, for you to believe, then all it's going to take is vast territory, Giants to cause you to disbelieve. You've got to ground your faith in something far greater than what I see. You've got to ground your faith in something far greater than what I've accomplished, what I've seen God do. I'm thankful for the miracles. I'm thankful for the signs. But grandma's healing is not the reason why I believe I can be healed. My pastor's testimony is not the reason why I have a testimony. I have a testimony because I know God. I know his word, and I know his word to be true, and I know that it cannot fail, and I know that if I believe in it and stand on it, it will come to pass. Could we all be like the Roman centurion? God says, I'm going to do this. And you say, actually, I believe you could do this. I mean, did he not say I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think? That's the God I serve. I said, that's the God I serve. I don't serve a God that limits his miracles and his signs and his wonders and his blessings in my life to the conditions I'm currently in. I serve a God that can do the greatest in the midst of the worst. I've seen God do great things in people's lives at their lowest points. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God.